A wise man once said, every journey begins with the first step. Come with me, my friends, as together we travel down the roadway of geekdom in our never-ending quest to find the joy and fun in what we love. However, our final destination may not be where we intended, for on this journey, tangents abound. Hello there, my friends, and welcome, welcome, and welcome to the first episode of 2017 of Tangents Abound. My name is Aaron Henley, and thank you for joining me today. Oh, well, it's a new year, and there's a lot I'm going to talk about, because not only is it a rebirth of a year it's a rebirth of the show there's a lot coming down the pike i'm gonna talk about that in just a few minutes but i just want to say right now thank you all so very much Woo! because of you my friends because of your comments your feedback and you're just playing general awesomeness this little hobby of mine has become one of the best things I've done, and now I'm going to work even harder to continually improve and refine the show. So, feedback is even more important, friends. You can send me feedback either by leaving comments on the Libsyn page at tangentsabound.libsyn.com, or you can send me emails at tangentsabound at gmail.com. Or you can find me on Twitter at A-H-E-N-L-E-Y-2011. That's the official Twitter of the show. And since I don't really have a whole lot of Twitter people, I'll know it's about tangents. <laughs> so, if there's things you love, let me know. If there's things you don't like, let me know. If there's things you want me to talk about, let me know. <laughs> Your feedback is always welcome, my friends. Because this year, it's going to be great. I am so excited. I've got a lot of stuff rattling around in my cranium. I've got a lot of plans I want to do. Talk about a lot of great stuff. Have a lot of guests on the show. But that's all we'll talk about in a few minutes. Because while there's a lot of excitement going on, we got a little housekeeping to do first. Before I get into all of that, once again, welcome. If this is your first episode, welcome to the show. I hope you enjoy it. If you've come over to the show from the uh, cross-traffic I re received from the Two True Freaks Network, welcome. And again, if anyone from the Two True Freaks Network is listening, I just want to say thank you again so, so very much for all of your contributions, all of your hard work, all of the just love and support you showed Sean and his family. And I hope one day, I'm just going to say it right now, friends, the peak of this show will be if I ever get an email from either from someone of Sean's family and saying I did a good job. That's the peak. That nothing will ever top that. Short of a personalized email from Stanley himself, nothing will ever top that. <sighs> okay, and again, the fact that that episode was uh, hosted on the Two True Freaks network that 
they wanted it on the on their network that that still blows my mind i i i can't thank all of them enough i'm just gonna say thank you and we'll leave it at that and i thank everyone for um their comments and feedback on that episode i'm not going to talk about that because it was mainly on their uh facebook page and i don't want to step on any toes but it was very well received uh, there was a lot of positive comments a lot of thank you um but to me, thank you all so much for those who contributed. I just put it together. Everyone who sent me submissions, everyone I talked to, I knew it was going to be difficult. But the love and support and the emotions that just came through were so genuine and heartfelt, it brought tears to my eyes every time I recorded. And also, I'm going to admit, after doing that, I had to walk away from the show for a bit. It just, it, it, it was hard to re record again. I, I just needed some time to process and, and get my head back into the space. So that's why this is a rebirth of the show. I'm going, there's some things I was not happy with, and we'll be talking about that, and there's some things that are going to be fixed, and there's going to be a few changes around here. But all of it is to make this show better. So, now that I've kept saying better, what are we, what's going to get improved? First off, I got some really good tea. I'm trying, trying, um, trying something new. Well, not new. It, it's the same cinnamon tea I always drink. But it said, you know, try it with a little bit of milk. It gives it a chai taste. I've never had anything like chai. And it's actually really good. And this is The Cooking Moment with Aaron. <laughs> no, this is not a regular feature of the show. <laughs> Don't worry. Alrighty, but so let's start with what's been going on in the Palatial Tangents Abound Studios. Well, if you may have noticed a change in the audio quality, your ears have not saved you and also your headphones aren't broken <laughs> for you see harley was kind enough to let me dip into her treats fund <coughs> oh, okay okay fair enough maybe begrudgingly is more accurate <coughs> to help improve the show as a result i have now gotten a professional microphone yes i actually have a good quality microphone to record and i'm not just um winging it with an old headset microphone that was well, it was good quality when I bought it, but it's it's got some age on it now. Also, it's um, got a few teeth marks on it. Harley, do you want to admit to something? Meow. Harley, the ear pads are mostly missing. Meow. And they weren't like that before you came to the house. Meow. Yes, so I had to replace a few pieces of equipment. <laughs> And also, in the off time, I've been working and testing to see what sounds the best. Also, helps to read the instruction manuals and not just plug the stuff in. So, guys, let me just tell you right now, always read the instruction manuals. For example, I found out my microphone, you actually have to hold 
upright and speak to it in the side and not straight on because I kept wondering why I kept sounding muffled. Well, it turns out the microphone wasn't designed to, you know, have it straight onto your mouth. You live and learn. Because <laughs> I'm like, man, this was a really high, this is one of the most highly rated microphones on the market. What, is, what am I doing wrong here? Alrighty. And also, if um, you know any tips or tricks as to um, recording with a microphone, let me know. Again, I'm a complete amateur at this. Uh, YouTube has been my friend. Gene, you've been great. Um, Chris Honeywell from Two True Freaks has really helped. There's actually some really great um, podcasts on the Two True Freaks network for beginner podcasters. I highly recommend to check those out. And I completely lost the email Gene sent me that had the listing on those. So, Gene, I know you're listening. Could you could you send me that list again so I can put it on the air? <laughs> Thanks, buddy. <laughs> Alrighty. Also, for the foreseeable future, at least for a while, Tangents Abound is now going to be dropping bi-weekly. I'm going to tr do my best on Fridays, but... It'll be no later than every other Saturday. And the main reason it, for this is time. I've been... <laughs> a lot's been going on in my personal life and in real life at work and other things. And I just kept losing time to edit and produce the show the way I wanted to. And I haven't been happy with the editing process on the past few episodes. And I really want to improve that. I want to improve the listening experience for you, my friends, because I have to have something to compensate you to listen for, you know, being able to listen to this voice for an hour or so. <laughs> uh, the only reason that I'm, I'm sure you put up with the extra long episodes was other people were talking. <laughs> um, so, also, because of the extra time in, uh, I'm going to be allotting to production the show and actually getting a, a schedule set up. And yeah, time management hasn't always been my strong suit, I'll admit. But <laughs> I, it took me 31 years, but I finally am starting to get it. <laughs> um, things are going to go a lot more smoother around the, around here. And now, with it also being a little bit longer delay they're going to be longer episodes. Now, my plan is for maybe an hour and a half or two hours an episode, maybe longer. I don't know. We'll see how it goes. And, you know, if a majority of you friends uh, have a preference for, um, you know, longer episodes um, or shorter episodes, let me know. Um, some people like the shorter episodes because they want to listen to a podcast, you know, just on the commute to back and forth to work or others, um, like the longer episodes because they prefer, um, the content and the quality of the show and they want, you know, they want to enjoy it to the best of, uh, that they can. And in my personal preference, I actually prefer the longer formatted episodes on, on the podcast I listen to because, you know, I don't mind extensive podcasts. Uh, Michael Bailey, he just did an epic, uh, let's see, four, four, four epic 16 hour um, series of episodes detailing the DC crossover legends from 1989. So, um, yeah, <laughs> and I listened to it all and I loved it. In fact, it helped me get through some really rough times at work. But, 
that's just my preference. And, you know, I may be the driver's seat, but I can't do anything if I... So I just keep doing what I enjoy. And if, um, you know, friends, you have suggestions, please, please, again, send me an email, tangentsabound at gmail.com. And I would appreciate it so much. Um, also, another little bit of housekeeping iTunes. I am on iTunes. I hear there's other ways and other podcatchers out there. I have no idea what they are. Maybe I should actually start doing some Googling because I want more people to find the show. I want more people to enjoy it. And so far, it seems to be working. Um, I've gotten uh, some new friends. I've gotten some uh, more commenters. So I appreciate it all. Um, That said, some of my old friends, I've missed you. A girl, 31, I miss you. Steve, where are you? Turtle Loves, I'm so happy I heard back from you on the Rogue One. I was starting to get worried that I'd lost my buddy. You know, I'm, leave me a comment. And also, here's a little thing. Let me know how you found the show. I have no idea how people originally found the show. The fact that you actually found it and stuck around is an amazing thing to me. But I have no idea. I mean, I don't understand tags. I don't understand how iTunes looks stuff up. So, you know, just let me let me know so I can help promote the show. Because I want this to be a, a success. Also, here's an interesting fact. I just found this out by just tooling around. If you type in the word tangents in the iTunes search box, the number two search is the show, is Tangents Abound. I don't know if it's because I have the letter A in the um, second word, but I am the number two search if you type in the word Tangents on iTunes. I was like, wow. (laughs) Okay. We need to turn off the screensaver. Hold on just a minute, friends. we got to do a little fixing, and this will be editing. And you'll never hear this unless I put in a blooper. Because, you know, I like bloopers. I need I need to start keeping the bloopers because, really, friends, if you knew just what all I do on the show that I screw up, oh, you probably would never listen to it again. Uh, how, do I, how do I turn on a turn off a screensaver in Windows 10? See, that's the problem. I know how to do it in all the old Windows, but I don't know how to do it. Uh, maybe, well, maybe it's one of those power options thing. Oh, this is riveting, friends. I feel like I'm, I'm doing a Twitch stream and no one, uh, <laughs> no one can see me, which actually may be a good thing. And, you know, maybe I'll just keep this all out, be, all in, because, hey, that, that actually sounds kind of fun. Uh, no, I do, um, uh, Under this theme thing, in the settings. Oh, there we go. Thank you. Thank you. Finally. What a. What a. Alright, we want that. Yeah, because I will be moving the mouse more than that. Okay. Sorry about that, friends. I had sent. Again, this is why I need two weeks. There'll be a lot of editing here. <laughs> uh, uh, you know what? I may just keep it in. Should give you a little peek as to what I go through every time I record. It's a rebirth. It's a celebration. Who knows? Alrighty. So, back to the show. Um, 
the good news is that there will be more tangents, there will be more music, there will be more guest spots and from some very special people. I've got all, and there'll be more visits from my editor-in-chief. Well, don't, don't worry, Harley. I, I made sure to buy the family-sized pack of Temptations for you to, to, to kind of soften the blow. So we've got a great year ahead of us. There's a bunch of great ideas, like I said, rattling around in my head. And I've got Mixmaster Harley ready on the soundboard. So there's so much good stuff coming by. Alrighty. Now, also, there will be... Uh, I'm going to try something for a little bit and follow themes. So everyone's going to have some themes. Or I may just, which I kind of already done. I mean, if if you look at you know Superman, Lois and Clark, that was eight. That was a series of even though they were issues that I wanted to do. And then we did the Saturday morning cartoons. That was a theme. Um, and then uh, we did the uh, well, Voltron was part of Saturday morning cartoons. And, you know, here I thought I didn't, wasn't getting into anime. Okay. But I'm going to try to keep some themes going. And unless there's um, some super amazing thing in the geek world or I just discover something that completely blows away or Lord Vader stops by to say, I am altering the deal. Pray I don't alter it any further. Man, this deal's getting worse all the time. No, no, don't worry, Lando. This is a deal that's actually going to get better. Because I know that you can't resist a good deal. So, we've got some feedback from my semi-regular co-host. Um, I'm going to get right to it. Let's get into emails. And I really want to come up with some cool email um, uh, intro theme. So, that's something I'm going to be working on. So, stay tuned. All right, and Gene's email is going rogue. Hmm. You know, after Rogue One, this is this is just a tangent, friends. After Rogue One, I really want to talk about some Rogue and Gamut because I have there certain comic book characters that I love, and Gambit and Rogue is one of the top three couples. It's for me Superman and Lois, um, Peter and Mary Jane. And Gambit and Rogue. And then maybe um, uh, Bruce Banner and Betty from, but only when Peter David wrote it. Okay. Sorry for tangenting during your email, Gene, but yeah, you're used to it. Alrighty. So Gene's email says, "Aaron, that was a very good episode with Scott 2.0 on Rogue One." I really enjoyed the movie myself better than The Force Awakens, but I do have a couple of problems with it that I haven't heard anyone talk about yet. First off, the targeting system of the Death Star seems to have a hero avoidance subroutine. It fires on Jeddah with no heroes in it, and it hits the city right on. It fires on the records depot, but the heroes are there, so it missed it by several miles. Second, along the same lines, the effects of the explosion seem to move at the speed of plot, with no ill effects except right when needed. Saul Guerrero's base would have been shaking a heck of a lot more than it was once the city was destroyed. Lastly, shouldn't R2 and 3PO have already been on board Leia's ship and not at the Yavin 4 base? The timing doesn't quite work. Ultimately, though, these are nitpicks and didn't throw me out of the story. 
the effort that they went to in order to give us a give us fan service, but also to match up with Star Wars, I can e myself watching Rogue One and then immediately putting in Star Wars to form one long movie. It was that good, Gene. And actually, Gene, I have to agree with you on that. I don't think I could watch the uh, watch Star Wars without watching Rogue One first. It, just because it, it flowed so seamlessly. Now, I uh, sent Gene a little reply, but uh, I, I think I'm, there, there's some issues he brought up that I want to want to address. And, you know, I did notice the explosions were moving either really fast or really slow. It all depended on what action scene we needed. But again, it's a f fantasy and it's a movie. That's, that's just par for the course. And... To be fair, I don't think the gunnery crews on the Death Star had to be fairly accurate. I mean, most of their planned targets were going to be planets. So even the red-shirted stepchildren of stormtroopers could surely hit that. So missioning the exact target, I can forgive, or at least tolerate. Because if you think about that scene... And on Scarif, when it fires at the base, it does take off most of the top half of that tower um, on the way down. It just missed the, you know, five stories below that where the heroes were. But, yeah, plot armor does seem to work quite a bit in this movie. Now, as for our lovable droids, I'm thinking that they were already aboard the Tanta V4, um... Because we saw Bale leaving. Now, for some reason, he left the Tanta V4, and it docked with um, not Admiral Akbar's ship. So Bale went to Alderaan, and the Tanta V4 has R2, 3PO, and Leia on board. And they're inside not Admiral Akbar's ship. I forget his name, but to me, he's just not Admiral Akbar. Now, I'm thinking that the original plan was, after not Akbar's ship had gotten away from Scarif, um, they would have gone to like a neutral system or somewhere where the Empire wasn't and then would have launched the Tanta V4 and then it uh, could have traveled to T Tatooine and then on to Alderaan with um, diplomatic immunity because, hey, who could legally stop them? The only thing that threw the monkey wrench in their plans was Darth Vader and the Devastator showing up and disabling not Admiral Akbar's ship, and then they having to immediately launch the Tanta V4 so everybody on Darth, on Darth Vader's Star Destroyer, the Devastator, saw them take off. So, you know, the, gig, the, the, the jig was up before it even started. And, again, <laughs> this is all legality. This is all retconning in my head, and I know it's the Empire and legalities go out the window, but at that point in time, the Imperial Senate still existed and they would have pitched a fit about someone with senatorial immunity being detained by imperial forces i um it wasn't until midway through star wars uh when the death star was pretty much going through its final checkout there's the conference room scene and governor tarkin says you know um the imperial senate has been dissolved we're going full-on imperial control So, I know that was a very long-winded and quite speculative explanation, but I think it makes sense. Well, at least in my head. And Gene, as always, my brother, thank you for sending me an email. I appreciate it.
So, sorry about that, friends. I knocked over my uh, my tea a little bit, and now I have to get a towel. Well, I, I just hit the cup. I, I'm okay. I'm okay. Um, alrighty. So, what's the topic for today? Well, we're on the subjects of rebirth, and I think we need to talk about the big one of the biggest rebirths of the past of the past year that of dc comics now there have been a lot of great podcasts talking about dc rebirth uh go check out hey kids comics um they did a special just on the 80 page dc rebirth one shot special and i'll go into it a little bit but please check out hey kids comics i anytime i can get andy and michael to in my headset, I'm happy. I really hope that did not come off as a double entendre. Okay. <laughs> and also, with the DC Rebirth came probably the greatest buddy space cop story that DC Comics has come up with since the early 90s. And no, sadly, it's not a guy in his nort or a guy in his nort 2, Terrier Fury. I wish that had actually happened, actually. But for a detailed explanation of a guy in his nort, check out just one of the guys, episodes 9 through 12 on the Two True Freaks site. Um, there is something awesome about a jerk and a six-foot terrier with a Green Lantern ring who is just adorable. So... Yeah, you gotta check that out. That's when I became a 100% faithful listener to just one of the guys. Okay. So what are we going to be covering? Well, it is Green Lantern related. And before we slide on our power rings and repeat the Green Lantern oath, we're going to pause for a minute to listen to some great promos for some of the best podcasts out there on the internet. And then when we return, I'll be covering Green Lantern Rebirth. Well, no, not not that Green Lantern Rebirth, which had Hal Jordan coming back from the dead that kicked off the Green Lantern resurgence of the mid-2000s, but DC Comics Rebirth Green Lantern. Um, okay, this, seriously, they really need to come up with a different title. I mean, it's confusing enough as it is. <laughs> Xenophiles. A fan podcast devoted to the comic series Xenozoic Tales. It's a post-apocalyptic adventure series filled with Cadillacs and dinosaurs. I'm Ruth. And I'm Darren. We hope you'll join us as we discuss the stories, characters, and art in this excellent comic series from creator, writer, and artist Mark Schultz. Xenozoic Xenophiles is available at podbean.com and on iTunes and Stitcher. And find us at xenozoicxenophiles.com. Well, Cindy, this is the last box. Supermates has now officially moved into Fire & Water Podcast Headquarters. Where do you want this Starman short box? 
Put it over by the classic monster DVDs. Be careful. Don't crush my superpowers Batmobile. Calm down, Christopher. Hey, you put the Star Trek DVDs on top of my comic action Wonder Woman Invisible Plane. Oh, jeez. Well, ugh, now we can tell everyone that Supermates can be found exclusively at fireandwaterpodcast.com. Now, if they subscribe via iTunes, they shouldn't notice a change, right? Right. Or if they listen through the main Fire and Water Network feed. No change. They can just find the show's home, show notes, etc. here at fireandwaterpodcast.com. Well, I'm going to go take a dip in the Aquaman-sized swimming pool Rob has, but I am not putting on that mirror costume. It smells fishy. Oh, come on. It'll be fun. Hey, hey, don't trip over that life-size shag standy. <laughs> thing is disturbingly real. Supermates, the husband and wife geek cast, now a proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. Find us on iTunes or at fireandwaterpodcast.com. Black Canary. I'll need a sparring partner. I'm Zatanna. Why do you care about some leggy dame in nylons? Or have I answered my own question? Black Canary and Zatanna, together in one podcast. I'm Ryan Daly, and I've got a thing for superheroes in fishnet stockings. That's why I started Power of Fishnets, the Black Canary and Zatanna podcast. Join me every two weeks as I celebrate the Blonde Bombshell and the Mistress of Magic in their exciting adventures published by DC Comics. Power of Fishnets. Available on iTunes and at fireandwaterpodcast.com. And we are back. Alrighty. So, I decided for this episode to cover the DC Rebirth Green Lanterns, with an S, which introduced me to the newest Green Lanterns protecting our humble little planet from the, you know, threats of the galaxy. And... I had absolutely zero knowledge of who they are, their backstories, or pretty much why they became Green Lanterns in the first place. Well, wait, did, did I just say they and Green Lanterns, plural? Yep, because in this story we get not one, but two Green Lanterns for our money, and both are great characters, and both have to deal with some very heavy stuff. But I'll get into that more later. and. I will admit I knew a little bit about one, but I'm pretty much going into this cold. So we'll talk about that in just a sec. Because I f um, wanted to come at this episode with the approach of a new reader. Someone just walking on the stands and going, ooh, this looks interesting. And to see if DC could generate enough interest for me to continue on with their ongoing series, which I'm not gonna I won't be able to not talk about which I did I went through the first arc and I really enjoyed it I just don't have the funds to keep going right now <laughs> because I, I discovered a Marvel title I love a lot more and I'll be talking about that in a future tangent y you know how I love superhero superhero families well I'm pretty much getting Incredibles 2 with Spider-Man and so I'll talk about that in a future tangent or maybe, uh, maybe in the next episode, because, you know, it is kind of a rebirth itself. <laughs> oh, 
I can't wait. I can't wait. Because I do have a lot of great stories I want to talk about that I haven't yet. But with the longer format, I can. Alrighty. But let's focus more on DC Rebirth and specifically Green Lantern. Because I think a little primer on the state of DC Comics may be in order, especially for those of you who may not be as well-versed in comics as some others. So I'm going to do my best to try and condense uh, about five to six years of the past. So we're going to get in our Wayback Machine, hit it, Sherman, and now we're back to the year 2011. Ooh... 2011, I was still looking for a job after being unemployed for two years and living with my grandmother in her basement. But I was helping take care of the house and doing what I could for rent, but I really owe a lot to my grandparents. So back in that year, to try to get more readers and, you know, stay in business, which, you know, it's a comics company. They're, they're, if they don't make money, they don't keep the lights on and we don't get comics. So I, I can't fault them for this. DC Comics decided to completely wipe the board clean and start with brand new concepts and series for all of their characters. I mean, this was... They had tried something like this back in 1986 following a storyline called Crisis on Infinite Earths where everything was being reset and start fresh. It had its pluses and... To me and to a lot of comic fans, it succeeded wildly, but there were still hiccups with it. Over the next, you know, 30-some years, there was a lot of continuity, a lot of stories coming around, and it was starting to, you know, get too confusing and too hard for new readers to come on. So, I, I don't mind a, a, a little reset every once in a while. It keeps things fresh. And it helps generate interest. And, you know, there's an old saying, for every jumping on point, there's a jumping off point. So, you know, it this, this was a big deal. And to say that what was happening in 2011 with this re, re, relaunch, to say this was divisive amongst long-time readers was an understatement. Now, for me personally... I was interested to see what they were going to do, but I wasn't too big of a fan of the idea that such long-time comics, uh, specifically action comics and detective comics, who had the longest um, sequential numbering of all time, were going to reset to number one. Because these were the two comics that were close, that were on the only two comics I think in history that would approach the ultimate, legendary, no hold, no question, milestone of a having a thousandth issue. Something that literally took almost a century to do. And well, actually, it's not happened yet, but now it's it's. Uh, it will be happening, and I'll explain that in a, in, a, in a minute. Just let's just say that they were at like issues eight hundred, so you know the the goal was in sight, and now all of a sudden you go back to number one. So for that to be wiped out, that hurt. And you know, there's been a lot the New Fifty Two did that I don't agree with, but there was a lot I liked, and you know, some of that I will be talking about in a later episode because. 
as much as I may have disapproved of what the New 52 was doing, there was some stuff I enjoyed quite a bit and that people absolutely hated, and I'm going to set the record straight. Just like Sean did with Just One of the Guys and Guy Gardner and Kyle, I'm going to set the record straight with my favorite DC New 52 series that kept getting dumped on. So, there, there, there'll be a little series coming out on that, but not, not, uh, not for a while. Alrighty. Now, back to the New 52. So, we have this big relaunch, but it, it was rushed. It was like all of a sudden somebody in a boardroom decided, okay, we're going to wipe everything out and start over. There was no lead-in. There was no, it was just bang, we're here. Whoa, 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 what's going on? And this all happened in like, from the announcement to it happening was six months. Crisis on Infinite Earths, when it revamped everything, took a year. And had been planned before that. This just seemed to spring up out of nowhere. Six months, everything is changed. And... The New 52 had some qualms I, I'm going to talk about real quick. First off, a lot of the core characters, including my all-time favorite, the big man himself, Superman, he was in a complete free fall. They were literally writing stories, throwing stuff against the wall, seeing what stuck, and none of it did. They did things like uh, he loses his powers, he... Um, gets outed as Clark Kent by Lois Lane. It's just all this crazy stuff going on, and nothing was working. I mean, this was a... Superman could have been canceled. That's how bad it was. And there were massive continuity questions. Now, I don't mind continuity as much, but I kind of like to know, okay, this happened and this happened and this happened. Okay, so that is kind of continuity, but, you know, if, if you want to wipe some stuff out, that, that's fine. That's fine. You don't have to have every story in continuity, but, you know, you have to have the big ones. And also, there was this issue of a five-year timeline where all the superheroes did all their superhero in five years when we meet them from... Okay, the, the way... The New 52 worked, if I remember right. There was, the first issue was Justice League, issue one. And then, when that story concluded, we went into, we skipped five, we pretty much skipped five years, and that's where all these little books are taking place. And there were 52 books, so five years. Now, here's where we get into some problems, because... It, there were questions as to, well, how could Batman have trained four separate Robins, two of them becoming, you know, college, you know, in their late 20s, one in college, and one of them 10 years old, with him only being Batman for five years. Yeah, that, that, that doesn't work. And also, how some characters who still uh, still kept ongoing plot lines and stories from before the relaunch going. Um, and these actually were the books that were the top sellers, like Batman and Green Lantern, when others, like Superman, Wonder Woman, they were uh, completely revamped. And since this was supposed to be a complete um, 
wiping the slate clean. We were supposed, there was not supposed to be any back, excuse me, any back history. So this was a mess. There were integral legacies between characters, integral relationships, and extremely important characters that fans had grown up with, they had loved, they had cherished, and they were suddenly wiped from all existence with little to no explanation. And in the early days, it was such a mess because there would be individual issues that were coming out with text boxes saying certain things. And then when they were all collected in a trade paperback, these text boxes that helped explain things were taken out because they said, nope, that didn't happen. So... Fans were confused. Fans were angry. They were disappointed. They couldn't figure out what was going on. And it was just a mess, to say it politely. So the fan community gave DC the best answer they could that something was wrong. They stopped buying their books. Over the next five years, fans would begin leaving DC in droves. And, you know, when you consider the state the comics industry is in now, that's a death sentence. I don't really follow numbers too much, but just what I see, most books, like the top-selling books, only sell like 50,000 copies a month. When I was growing up in the with comics in the mid-90s, books were selling in the millions Granted, a lot of that was due to collectors and investors bubbling and booming up the market just for it to collapse, but that's a whole other story. So, it's it's really bad. In fact, I don't think that if it wasn't for digital and apps like Marvel Unlimited and Comixology and the DC Comics app, comics would be dead. I really don't... I really believe that without digital, comics would be dead because... There are a lot, it's hard to find a comic, a, a place where you can go and buy a comic book. Because for me, the nearest place that I know of that I can go to a store and pick up a brand new comic off the shelf, it's two hours away. So I am stuck with digital copies only. That was a tangent, but I really believe digital has kept the lights on at comics. So... Am I happy that I'm paying actual cover price for a digital issue where no ink, printing, or shipping costs were involved? I'm a little irked at that, but I will fully support it because I want my comics. And they are doing enough, they're doing so good that I want to keep supporting them because I want my story. I want to see where they're taking the stories. So, at the end of the, at, right around, on May 25th, 2016, DC realized that a course correction needed to be done, and it needed to be done now. So they released a special one-time, or what is called a one-shot issue, where it's just pretty much a standalone story called DC Rebirth. It was an 80-page comic, which, for $2.99 US, which, for those of you who don't know, an average comic book is about 22 pages for $3, so you're pretty much getting, like, almost three com- no, almost four comic books for the price of one and it was just good it was really good and you know i have to give dc credit for this because in that story 
they rightly addressed the problems the fans were telling them. They said, okay, this is what we messed up. This is what we screwed up. We're going to fix it. For them to have the guts to do that, I appreciate that. And the ship started to right itself. And, you know, so far it seems that DC has learned its lessons and it's bringing fans back to the table. People are talking about DC again. I check Comixology when I go, and they, there it used to be Marvel, 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 all Marvel titles in their top ten every week. Now the top ten, I'm seeing Superman again, I'm seeing Batman, I'm seeing Wonder Woman. I'm seeing DC, not just at the bottom of the list, I'm seeing them right smack dab at the top. And it is so good because... I mean, I personally spend a good chunk of my paycheck on their books right now, and I haven't gone this whole hog in comics in a very, very long time. So, this is good. You keep giving us good stories, DC. We're going to keep buying them. Okay. So, for this... So, now that we've gotten a little bit about DC Rebirth, what I'm going to do with Green Lantern's Rebirth is come at it, like I said, from the point of view of someone who just saw the issue on the shelf, picked it up, and decided to go. And I have it right here. I don't know if you can hear it, but it's paper. <laughs> and we're going to get into Green Lantern's Rebirth number one. Now, actually, I do. before I do that, I do have a good story to say. When I went and bought this, I thought I... I went to, like I said, I was uh, at the comic store that was two hours away. I'm like, you know, I'm here. I've got the money. I'm going to pick up all the titles I want so and catch up. And at the time, there was Green Lantern 1 to 5. And I thought, because I already bought the Rebirth issue digitally. Well, I thought I picked up number one paper. So, and I, so I'm taking, so I get home and I'm reading. I'm like, oh, it's the Rebirth issue. Okay, so I have two copies. <laughs> so, DC, when, when you make a number one, when you have two number ones for, you know, with the cover dress that says Rebirth, make sure that it's really clear this is the one shot and not the ongoing series. Because I thought, oh, this is red and all the other re regular series issues are, you have Rebirth in blue, whereas in the one shots they were in red, and then I saw other issues where that wasn't true, so I got all confused. So that, 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 that was a little bit of a knock. All right, so let's get into the cover. Well, the cover, to be honest, isn't all that interesting. It's a three-quarter um, panel headshot of Jessica Cruz, our one Green Lantern, and she's holding up her lantern battery. And in the reflection is our other Green Lantern, Simon Baz, who basically is a Green Lantern wearing a luchador mask. So I was kind of, I kind of knew him from articles I read um, when he was first appearing, I think in like 2012, but I didn't know much about him at all. But what really got me on the shelf and just on the cover image was Jessica, because over her right eye is a big Green Lantern tattoo, and her iris, the pupil of her eye, is a Green Lantern symbol. So that's what got me, I want to check this story out. So, also she is attractive and I will say this I'm a heterosexual male so I appreciate female figures okay you can call me misogynistic 
I don't care. You, that is your right. But I appreciate attractive females. And they and they come in all shapes and sizes. So I appreciate all women's shapes and sizes. But when they are, you know, the standard superheroine, I, I appreciate it. It's art. So I can appreciate art. I have no idea if I'm keeping that in. <laughs> Alrighty. So let's go into the story credits. Our writers are Jeff Johns and Sam Humphreys. Our art is by Ethan Van Skyver and Ed Benes. The colorist is Jason Wright. The letterist is Travis Lanham. Yes, an actual letterist, not a company. Assistant editor is Andrew Marino. Hey, I remember him. He was the assistant editor from Superman. That's awesome. The editor is Mike Cotton. And the group editor is Eddie Braganza. Hey, I also know that guy from Superman. And tangent abound, and I'm about to get a little political. So this this is your warning. If you don't want to hear it, skip about 15 seconds. If the allegations about Mr. Braganza are true, I have two questions. One, why is he still associated with Superman? And two, why is he still working for DC? For more information, just Google. Trust me, you won't have trouble finding it. <clears throat> Alrighty, so our story opens in deep space. Our narrator introduces us to the four main Green Lanterns from Earth. Hal Jordan, a test pilot. John Stewart, an architect. Guy Gardner, just all around awesome. Kyle Rayner, an artist. The narrator tells us that they will be problems, but there is someone else he is focusing on. For we then see a steampunk cosplaying guardian of the galaxy. No, not not Star Lord, Gamora, Drax, Rocket, or Baby Groot, but think of a blue Oompa Loompa with white hair, fleeing from a mob of very angry aliens called the Dominators. Well, the Dominators are these wonderful aliens with a lot of teeth and big red dots in the center of their foreheads, and could possibly be considered. Um, racist stereotypes of Japanese. I don't know if that's true, and I sure hope not. <clears throat> well, the Dominators are wonderful people because they are completely xenophobic and love killing anyone who crosses their borders and enters their space. So our cosplaying Oompa Loompa is flying as fast as he can away from them while clutching a stone chest to his, well, chest. <laughs> Well, unfortunately, he ends up surrounded by Dominators. He opens the box. There's a bright flash of rainbow-colored light. And to be continued. Because that's all we're going to get for that subplot. Because our story cuts to Dearborn, Michigan on the planet Earth. And we see the not-quite-newest Green Lantern on the block, Simon Baz, an Arab-American hard at work scrubbing off a vile piece of graffiti that was painted on his sister's garage. The word terrorist is sprawled in big red letters across the garage door, along with symbols and things that aren't clear in the art, but I don't think that they are uh, thumbs up. <clears throat> Apparently, these hate crimes have happened multiple times in the past few months, and Simon is dismayed because he believes that it's because of him and his living there that his sister and husband and their kids are having to deal with this. 
and being targeted by these bigots and these cowards. He is then approached by a federal agent named Agent Fed. Oh, okay, I, I admit I know that's not his name, but I don't know what it is, and after reading six issues of Green Lanterns, they don't mention it anywhere in the issue or in his other appearances in the first story arc except by calling him Agent Fed, and yes, I could wiki it. I could. But I, yeah, I'm trying to keep this, you know, as what I did when I read it off the shelf, so... I'm trying to keep this perspective clear of any previous notions and, you know, the ease of use of the internet. <clears throat> I want the story to tell me what it wants to tell me. Well, apparently Simon was accused by Agent Fed of being, well, actually being a terrorist. But he has since had his name cleared with the government. Uh, and is free in exchange for learning more about the green in exchange for the government learning more about the Green Lantern Corps from Simon, which, considering the amount of knowledge he has with the GLC, is about even less than what Kyle had when he got the ring. And Kyle was just given the ring and said, "Here, here's the ultimate power. Have fun. Bye." <laughs> for a more in-depth look on Kyle. Listen to episode, I'd say probably 51, maybe 52 of Just One of the Guys. Well, actually, after all the one shots, maybe even the low 60s. Because Kyle is awesome. I mean, he's an artist. Okay, I'm just going to, for those of you who don't know, Green Lanterns have these little rings that create constructs out of whatever the person wielding the ring is thinking. So if you want to punch some guy, you can think of like a giant punching glove and, it'll, and the punching glove will punch the guy. Well, Kyle, being an artist, tended to use like anime robots and spaceships and fighters and all sorts of mecha and comics characters. And it was just fun seeing Kyle use the ring. That's all I'm going to say. <clears throat> and Back to Agent Fed. Well, like I said, Simon has had his name cleared, and Agent Fed then proves to be a very interesting character. As he admits the mistakes he made with Simon in the past, he wants to genuinely help Simon clean up the mess, and even encourages Simon by telling him that the ring he's wearing chose him for a darn good reason, and he knows that both Simon and his family can endure the hatred. So, okay, I I really like Agent Fed. I know only about two pages worth of story about this guy, and he feels fleshed out and a human being. And I want to know more. Simon's ring then alerts him to an incoming alien vessel, and he heads off to investigate. Well, we now travel a little further west. West to Alaska. West. The rush is on, well, not quite that far, but to Portland, Oregon, to meet our second Green Lantern of the story, Jessica Cruz. Jessica is also questioning exactly why she has a Green Lantern ring and, well, actually has a pretty good reason. For she suffers both anthropophobia, which I had to look up, and according to Wikipedia, is an extreme pathological form of shyness and timidity 
that can leave the sufferer to have complete social withdrawal and communicates exclusively through written and electronic communication and agoraphobia or fear of going outside because we learn that she hasn't even left her apartment for over three years. Now, I think this may actually be the result of post-traumatic stress disorder as well, but I'm think but from what just I'm seeing in the story right now, I'm going with what I said earlier. <clears throat> I have to read more issues to find out. But fortunately they're coming out in trades. The trades are coming, the trades are coming. So head on down to your uh, uh, local comic book shop, and I know for a fact the Superman issues one through six trade is coming up. Pick that up. It's just plain fun. And to thank my friends at Two True Freaks, if you decide to purchase any trades uh, through Amazon, go to the Two True Freaks website, click the Amazon link, um, and it. And uh, when you make a purchase, a small portion goes from you to them. You don't pay anything extra, but it helps them keep the lights on. And they've been such gracious friends to me. Anything I can do to pay them back, I will. I do the Amazon link all the time. Okay. So back to Jessica. Well, she's facing these demons, and I'm proud of her for it. And it's not for anything world shaking but she's doing it to watch the soccer game her i'm assuming younger sister sarah is playing well after the game sarah just about bowls jessica over with a hug for seeing that she's come outside well as great as it would be that she did it willingly it wasn't entirely willingly because we find out that jessica has been evicted from her apartment and needs a place to stay sarah immediately offers well, Jessica's about to begin telling her sister about her new intergalactic hobby and um, <laughs> color and um, why she keeps wearing green colored attire when her ring alerts her to an incoming alien vessel. While Jessica ducks into the, a nearby alleyway and changes into her uniform, she's pretty new on the block and really doesn't know any Green Lantern powers because she has to ask the ring, well, how do I get there? Well, the ring apparently has a very nice autopilot and takes takes off. Well, the two Green Lanterns meet up in a desert in Arizona, surprised that, well, each other is Green Lantern. <laughs> apparently, they didn't get the memo that there are two Green Lanterns on Earth right now. So... <laughs> Before, so a little bit of a, um, I, I don't want to say hero hero battle because it's just a conversation ensues. And before they start pulling out the ID cards and measuring sticks as to who's got the bigger ring, the intruding spacecraft crash lands and explodes, revealing a crimson colored robot with some blue striping called a Manhunter. Or... To, for uh, a background, the Manhunters are what the Guardians remember, or the Galaxy remember the Blue Oompa Loompas used before they created the Green Lantern Corps, and the Manhunters have now gone all Terminator on the Galaxy, pretty much extinguishing all life they see, and their favorite target are their replacements. 
So yeah, the Guardians of the Galaxy created Skynet. Good job. Okay, so. Whew. Huh. I'm having fun. Alrighty, so I've got some, some brief notes. First off, Ethan Van Skyver, you are an amazingly detailed artist. I know you've done a lot of Green Lantern, and it shows you have talent, my friend. Because the mob of Dominators that we see chasing our steampunk guardian, they're all individuals. It's not like he just drew one in different poses and they just cut and pasted it. We see Dominators in all shapes and sizes. We see them muscular, tall, thin, skinny, and someone and one Dominator that even Jabba the Hutt would go, Oh, And also, we get a nice close-up of all the steampunk gadgetry on the guardian and it's amazing i mean i can he's got all of like these little diddly bobs and who's it's and what's it's and little gears turning and moving and i can see like this little um like scanner thing beeping and booping and it's just awesome and this is just a picture but my head is filling this all in so it's really awesome and let, i'm going to go into a little bit of brief um explanation of the lanterns so I know that each there there are seven lantern cores out there. One has for each color of the rainbow spectrum: red, yellow, orange, red, orange, yellow, blue, green, indigo, and violet. And each color has a specific emotion tied to it. The warm colors are pretty much negative emotions, such as red is rage, green. It, Red is rage, orange is avarice or greed, yellow is fear, and then we get into more positive emotions. Green is willpower, blue is, I believe, hope, indigo is compassion, and violet is love. So, when he opens this box and we see rainbow color shoot out, either this guardian has A, seven rings in the box, one for each color, or B, he did something that shouldn't have ever been done and is about to cause, you know, an intergalactic incident which could possibly extinguish all life as we know it. Well, for ongoing subplots, I'm going with B. <laughs> and also, we... Um, like I said, I knew a little bit about Simon. It turns out that what Agent Fed accused him of being a terrorist, it was with good reason. Because Simon had a, was found in a stolen, was arrested by the, uh, by Agent Fed for stealing a car and they discovered a ton of explosives in it. Well, it turns out that, yes, Simon stole the car, but he did it to keep it from being used as a car bomb and killing a bunch of innocent people. So... There were extenuating circumstances, but he was accused of being a terrorist, and he was sent to Guantanamo. And because in this story, it's mentioned that the ring, HFN mentioned that the ring came to him while he was in Gu Guantanamo Bay. And that brings up another point. I think the themes of prejudice and bigotry are so much better handled with Simon in this issue than I think the first time this uh, situation was brought to a head in the much vaunted and well-deserved hard-traveling hero issues of Green Arrow, Green Lantern in the mid-70s. 
Um, for those of you who aren't familiar, this was when Green Lantern, Hal Jordan, and Green Arrow, Oliver Queen, or a, or you know a much less fit Stephen Amell, uh, traveled the country together. And I'm not going to go into great detail, but yeah, this particular story and the way it's dealing with the issues of prejudice and bigotry and hatred and suspicion are much better done. It's just the glances of people and, you know, just whispers and, yeah, it works so much better. And Agent Fed, you are a good person and you deserve a name. I wish I knew what it was. I'm not looking it up. <clears throat> also, Jessica Cruz. Yeah, just how skin tight is that Green Lantern suit? And also, are we sure you're not just a, a slightly darker tan Sarah Pizzini from Witchblade? I mean, there's this one panel where, I mean, she could be the twin sister of Sarah Pizzini. And now I have an image of a green glowing Witchblade armor in my head. Oh boy. Uh, Harley, quick, quick. Harley, I need that emergency cord pole that's by your chair. Pull it, sweetie. Thanks, Harley. Ram. Mind getting me a towel? Whew. Yeah, it was worth a shot. So, now that I'm cooled down, let's get into part two in the second half of this issue. Well, Simon immediately goes all macho man He-Man and pushes Jessica aside to deal with a Manhunter robot. Flinging some pretty cool demon-alien hybrid constructs at the Manhunter, Simon seems to be doing a pretty good job. However, the robot counterattacks with energy blasts and, to be honest, we get a pretty major continuity problem here. Now, granted, if we just read this issue, we wouldn't know it's a problem. But since I read the next arc, and it dealt with the, a particular plot point, this is a big deal, so I'm going to mention it. Jessica interrupts the Manhunter's attack by slinging energy construct skewers through the robot's arm. And, you know, that's pretty standard Green Lantern construct stuff for dealing with robots. That's not the problem. What is? Well, the first major arc immediately following the story tells us that Jessica has a complete inability to create constructs. She can't create them. That is a huge liability for a Green Lantern because if she can't create constructs, she can't use her major offensive powers. Pretty much she can fly and create and have a, you know, automatic shield around herself. That's it. And a major part of the first story arc is cre being able to create constructs. So, this is a problem I have. If she can't do that, make, you know, simple um, bubbles and constructs in the future issues, how can she make these skewers in this issue? So, that, that, that's my main issue. Well, the robot ceases its attack and um, completely falls apart because we find out that it was only a test by the big daddy OGGL himself, Hal Jordan. Well, disappointed at the complete lack of teamwork from the two new Green Lanterns, and also to prove that my theory and both, which was also Sean's theory, uh, 
that Hal Jordan is a much bigger jerk than Guy Gardner? Because Hal, they didn't know each other existed until about five minutes ago before you showed up. You know, I seem to recall you not immediately being a team player, especially in the New 52, because when you first started out, you tried to kill Batman. <laughs> well, apparently Hal has no patience for petty bickering or, you know, even basic instruction for Green Lanterns on how to use their rings, because he has the two summon their power batteries, which are important. They're these big Green Lanterns, hence the name, and they're what keep the um, the rings the Green Lanterns are using charged so they can make the constructs travel out in space and, you know, do all their superheroing. So they're big deals. Well, Jessica didn't even know she had a power battery. I mean, seriously, did this ring not tell her anything? Because we know the rings have basic, like, artificial intelligence to tell them, you know, they have scanners and things. Shouldn't it have told them, hey, I need to be plugged in. The power is low. <laughs> I mean, heck, our iPhones say, you know, warning, 15% left. Wouldn't, like, the ultimate weapon of the galaxy have the same feature? <laughs> so, if she didn't know the power battery existed, when that ring went kaput, she was probably thinking, hey, I just have a weird piece of green jewelry that goes great with this dress. And that'd be about it. <laughs> well, Hal Jordan decide. well, Hal decides that as a team-building exercise, he f somehow has inherited all Green Lantern power. Hmm. No, he's not parallaxed again, friends. I, I know that much. And somehow fuses their two individual power batteries into a single unit that will require both of them to be able to both use it and recharge their rings. So if it's just one person, it's not going to work. Well, after saying, hey, you know, if you need help, these guys are going to show you by... These are these guys are here. We see a... A.K.A. Here's a quick cameo of the Justice League. How pretty much abandons the Rookie Lanterns and goes off into deep space to go star in his own series. We end our story with some parting dialogue by our narrator. And the interesting thing I forgot to mention is his narration boxes are in like these red, jagged... The text boxes have red, jagged um, lines around them, and I'm sure that has nothing to do with what we're about to find out. Nope, absolutely nothing to do with what we're about to find out. Because we find out that with the parting dog, we... <laughs> Let me start over. We end our series, we end our story, with some parting dialogue by our narrator with these really awesome red edge text boxes as I mentioned. The Earth has survived the Blackest Night, or aka Space Zombie Invasion. The Brightest Day, aka let's bring back a lot of characters we killed off over the years but mainly Swamp Fring. But can it survive? The Red Dawn? So at last, on the final page, we meet our narrator, Atrocitus, leader of the Red Lanterns and pretty much evil space overlord with a severe dental bill, and his two lieutenants, Blees, a pretty much a blue space Kim Kardashian dominatrix with 
Bone Angel Wings and Dexter the Harley. Oh, get, get off. Oh, oh, okay, Harley. Yes, yes. Hey, 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 hey. You know there's. Oh, you know there's. You know there's better art of him, right? Okay, I'll get it. I'll get it, sweetie. Just retract the claws. Retract the claws. <coughs> mm. Sorry, friends. Um, Dexter, evil space kitty. So, though Earth may have its protectors, Atrocitus states they will not be a problem. I'm going to need a band-aid, but I'll get that off to the show. So, Simon, I do appreciate the take-charge attitude, but Jessica isn't a pushover. Show her some respect. I mean, she's wearing a Green Lantern ring. That immediately makes her, you know... Awesome. And it turns out the Manhunter was just a training drone powered by Hal Jordan's ring. Well, that was kind of a bit of a letdown. and But, you know, it, it's a good thing. I, I mean, it's not like it was an actual, you know, sentient Manhunter like Lana Lang or anything. <laughs> That's for Gene, everybody. Don't worry. He gets it. Okay. And the one-page splash we get that's introducing Hal is great, but... Man, he has not aged well. I think he actually looks older than Superman because Superman should be, in, and I'd say about his early 40s because he was in his late 30s when John was born and John's 10, so yeah, in his, in his early 40s. And Hal looks older, so, you know, maybe those gray streaks Hal had in his hair back in the early 90s wasn't an ancient space entity deus ex machina that completely absolved him of all responsibility for being a mass murderer of the entire Green Lantern Corps. After all, I mean, maybe, maybe he is a little old. <laughs> And then we get some great little banner between Simon and Jessica regarding the Manhunter. Let, let me let me just let me just read. It's time for dramatic comic reading. And we begin with how talking. It was a test, Simon, and you failed. Failed? Not my fault. I was following protocol, and she showed up impersonating an officer of me. You are the one that said this won't take long, and that robot—it's called a Manhunter. Did you know that before he said it? Maybe. <laughs> no, you didn't, Simon. No, you didn't. Okay, and also, apparently Daddy Lantern is pulling this story over and doesn't want any more arguing from the back seat. So until you two kids behave, you have to share an ultimate intergalactic power source. And the bag of chips. Now you can't have the Oreos. Those are for the Martian Manhunter. Also, we get a great little one-page cameo of the Justice League, and, you know, also if the lighting was slightly increased, an upskirt shot of Wonder Woman, so we could see if she's going commander or not. Um, and, again, speaking as a heterosexual male, I would not mind that. As a respectful podcaster to all my female audience, I'm glad that the inker tastefully made sure that there was a sh shadow there, so we did not see anything. And if this was the manga version, oh, we'd see everything. So, uh, rabbit or striped? Gene, I know you got that joke. Okay. 
And as I mentioned, these rookies pretty much get the Kyle Rayner version of Green Lantern training, which, again, boiled down to, here's one of the most powerful weapons in the galaxy, creating capable of creating objects based on your thoughts, and, you know, can allow for intergalactic f travel, and also, you know, mass destruction. Have fun! Try not to blow up the planet! Deuces! I've got my own series to head to! Figure it out! <laughs> Good job, Hal. Good job. Okay. Now, Atrocitus... And first off, let's just say how awesome that name is. Atrocitus. You know, it's atrocity with a us. He's apparently the thinker of the group. And how do we know this? Well, he's sitting on a pile of skulls in the classic thinker position. Okay. And then we see um, Bleez below him lounging on a bunch of skulls. And I have no idea what's going on because we are about to get into some serious, really weird stuff right here. So she looks to have, um, how do I say this in a non-explicit way? She looks, okay, I think I can do this. She looks like she's coming down off a massive orgasm. And Dexter is leaping away from her crotch with a massive look of pain on his face. So, what the bleep did she just do? I, I mean, I thought we were getting away from the creepy stuff, DC. Seriously. This could definitely qualify as what the bleep. I've read this story five times and I didn't even notice this until I started doing my notes. But when I started looking at the art, I'm like, whoa. Because, yeah, his rump is completely covering her crotch. Her eyes are glazed over. Blood is dripping down her mouth, which is apparently par for the course for Red Lanterns anyway. But, yeah, she, her, she looks... Like she is coming down off a massive orgasm. So, that could have been okay, because apparently I guess she's like some sort of demon lady and loves drinking blood and gets off on it like a succubus or a vampire. Okay, that would have been fine. But someone should have realized what was looking at the art and said, okay, we need to move the evil space kitty about five feet to the right. Because we can't have the evil space kitty on her pelvis. Otherwise, people are going to start thinking there's something weird going on. Well, too late, DC. Way, way too late. If It's just wrong the way this is positioned. And having the scrunched up face of Dexter the evil space kitty is not helping. Okay? This is one of the most disturbing images I've seen. And I read Game of Thrones. Okay, that aside, I really did enjoy the issue, but I have to think, as a standalone issue, as a jumping on point, did it do its job? And I have to say, for the most part, yes. I'd, I'd have to give it a, a, a B if I was grading it, because there's references to previous events, but the exposition given in the text boxes helps give me all that I need to know without having to search through a ton of back issues. Where it kind of stumbles is the opening with the um, steampunk guardian holding the, the box and the rainbow flash, and we get a page of that, and then we finally just get one page of the bad guys. 
and they they're not really doing anything they're just sitting there and plotting and possibly committing acts that are illegal in about 37 states so it's kind of a meh villain i mean there's no all the action is just the the brief fight with the manhunter and that's maybe a page a page and a half and then we find out it's just a, a training test and then it's just more talky 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 not really a big action story or something that's like yeah i gotta check out the next issue and in fact what made me want to check out the next issue was the characters because i was more interested in finding out the relationship between jessica and simon seeing that develop um and how they would interact with their families getting to meet uh, simon's family particularly because apparently um his brother-in-law came out of a coma and somehow simon healed him and that's actually a big plot point in the next issue because apparently simon has like green lantern healing powers which kind of remind me of like Cade skywalker from the star wars legacies comic series which is totally awesome and yes there will be a tangent on that series i guarantee it thank you marvel unlimited for putting that entire series on i love you so very much go check it out friends <clears throat> just keep in mind it has nothing to do with the force awakens and what's going on in canon now it's, it's completely legends now but what happens when you have pretty much the heavy metal bad boy and he's the only hope for the galaxy and his last name is skywalker yeah it's really cool also we get more into the balance of the force and you know a lot of cool twists reveals and oh yeah apparently there's uh, uh, we'll, we'll save that later we'll save that later let's get back to the issue <laughs> all right so like i said the bad guy's evil plot is meh, the action is meh, but the characters are what wanted me to pick up the next issue because I want to find out what Agent Fed's name is, I want to see how he interacts with uh, Simon and his family, and I want to see, I just, I, I wanted to know more. And the nice thing with Simon is he has one of the most powerful weapons in the universe, but he can't stop hatred he can't stop prejudice and bigotry he can only deal with it and his family doesn't even have a super powerful ring they just have their strength of spirit and family and that's what made me want to keep reading i want to continue um talking about um the first story arc because anytime i can say red dawn yeah <laughs> it sounds corny but it is a good little story also we get to see the bad guys actually do bad guy stuff and from what i hear dexter evil space kitty is a personal favorite of thomas dj so thomas if you're listening i would love to be able to you know, help ha, ha, have you on the show and just have you help fill in the gaps on my Green Lantern knowledge because the Red Lantern Corps, all this was written by Jeff Johns. All the different colors of the lanterns, all this was written by Jeff Johns. And 
It's one thing I want to read, and I'm saving up for the omnibuses because they're starting to come out with these complete collections now. And I'm really, really interested to see how they do the Blackest Night story because what started off as was just supposed to be a space zombie story involving just the Green Air, um, Lantern title, so about two or three, ended up being the entire DC lineup. Because, hey, it's 2009 and zombies are popular. Because this was the height of The Walking Dead on uh, in comics, and this was also the height of Marvel Zombies. So this was DC's answer pretty much to Marvel Zombies. Oh, wow. Whew. Well, that concludes the issue, my friends. I'm so glad you were able to join me. There's, um, there's a few things more I want to talk about, just to to kind of let you know what things are going, going to be going on. Well, we've got a lot to cover, a lot to talk about. And if you want to, like I said, leave me some feedback. Let me know how you're enjoying the show. Um, how, and more importantly, how you're finding the show so I, I can improve ways for people to find the show. And one other thing I am begging, I, I mean, I am begging, please, is... To stop by iTunes and leave a review for the show, please. I I will read it on the air, but please, leave me a review. It can be a two-star. It can be a one-star review. I, I mean, I hope I give you a five-star rating, but, you know, be honest is what I'm saying. Because one-star reviews are just as important as five-star reviews. Because one-star reviews let me know what I need to fix. Five-star reviews help people find the show. And I just want to make this the best show I can. In fact, one tangent I'm so looking forward to, and I'm just going to spoil it right now because I'm looking right at it and I can't wait to get to it. I'm going to talk later, probably in March, maybe, about the greatest, absolute greatest Batman movie ever made. And if my semi-regular co-host would like to come with me on a commentary, you're more than welcome. And if I can also get the greatest Superman-Batman movie ever made, I'd love to do a commentary on that. Because you're probably thinking, oh, Dark Knight. Oh, Batman Begins. What if I told you? It's the greatest Batman movie and nobody knows about it. And that's a darn shame. So, I'm sure Gene's nodding his head. Oh, I, I see where he's going. Because we're going to be... Because Down the Pike is going to be a discussion. Maybe even a live commentary. Since it's an actual DVD. So I can put it into my computer. And actually watch it. Because my computer doesn't have a Blu-ray player. So, And this is only available in regular DVD. Which is also a darn shame. This needs a high-def transfer and release. And it will... Because it not only is the greatest Batman movie ever told, it has the greatest soundtrack to any Batman movie. And that is Batman Mask of the Phantasm. Now that's coming down the pike. And I love that movie so much. Oh, and there's a certain show my semi-regular co-host has mentioned he'd really love to talk about. And if you paid attention to the email sections, you'll probably know what that is. And I've got it lined up. Uh, buddy, anytime you want to talk about it, I'm free. Let me know. We'll set it up.
Oh, I can't wait to get into that because I am about hmm, a third of the way through the second season. And I, oh, when you watch the show as a kid, you don't appreciate it the way you do as an adult. Watching this particular show as an adult, I picked up so much more. And there's been so many aha moments. I, how great this particular show is, is a testament to the writers. And there's one particular thing I want to do. If I happen to, you know, in the next year, my plan is to have a second show. I'm announcing it right here on the show. Hopefully, if things line up the way they should, next year there will be a second show. It's not going to be Tangents Abound, but it's going to be something I've wanted to do forever. And I'm going to tell you what it is. This is a rebirth, my friends. I'm just letting it all hang out. What it's going to be is issue a week, maybe in every two weeks, of one of the best comic series of the late 2000s, which was horribly canceled before its time. Peter David's Young Justice. Oh, I can't wait to get... I can't wait to get to that because I'll be covering the comic and then I'll be covering the, the cartoon because by the time I get to the cartoon, season three will be out. Yes! Thank you, Twitter. Thank you, Facebook. Thank you, Netflix. Thank you, Greg Wiseman. Thank you, all the voice actors who campaigned. Thank you, fans. We have Young Justice season three and I couldn't be happier. Okay. So, that said... That's coming maybe in 2018. We'll see. But it is coming. That is... <laughs> or maybe I'll do a tangent. I don't know. Let We'll just see how it goes. <laughs> because I... You want to talk just comics that you can read with your kids. You can read with anybody. And have good storytelling. But not have to worry. Is this too graphic? Is Should this be in the comic? Should... You know. Should I feel bad about showing it because again that was a problem back with the new 52 and even years before that where they went mature and they didn't go mature storytelling with more adult themes and things though no, they went guts and boobs and butts it was it was the three beasts it was blood butts and boobs it was it was just <laughs> I wouldn't want a seven-year-old to read, like, Green Lantern number one. With DC Now, DC Rebirth, I would happily show a seven, eight-year-old Superman, Green Lantern, Wonder Woman. Well, maybe not Wonder Woman. Maybe maybe a 10, 11-year-old. But I wouldn't have any problem with it. Especially if they grew up, you know, watching Star Wars, watching stuff like that. Because it's mature, but it's not... Over the line is what I'm trying to say. But oh, but uh, that's, an, that's another tangent for another day. Thank you, my friends, for joining me today. Oh, 2017 is going to rock. And who, and I, to, you know, to be honest, I can't believe I'm in a few months, I, I'm going to be hitting a year, a year of tangents. Granted, that's in like seven months, but 
Yeah! <laughs> I'm still shocked because it's coming up. Maybe I have to come up with something special. I don't know. Uh, I'm still trying to wing it. <laughs> also, thank you again, my friends. This is all because of you. It's because of your comments, your feedback, and your just plain general awesomeness. So again, thank you so very much. Here's to a great year, a great show, and I'll see you next time, my friends. And if I don't hear from you, have a great morning. And in case I don't see you, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Tangents Abound is a free podcast. No money is made in the production or distribution of this podcast. Any and all audio clips used in this show are for education and review purposes and are owned by the respective copyright holders, and no copyright infringement is intended. All opinions expressed on Tangents Abound are owned by those on the show and shouldn't be taken too seriously. Feedback for the show can be left at tangentsabound at gmail.com or on Twitter at A-H-E-N-L-E-Y-2011. Also, if you happen to enjoy the show, please uh, review us on iTunes. It helps let us know how we can improve the show, how we can uh, make the show even more awesome, and also helps other people find the show. Thank you all so very much, my friends. Take care.